This week, while the family of the yeshiva, Yeshiva Taretzion, is in Avelis for the loss of the Rosh Yeshiva, the founder of the yeshiva, Harav Yehuda Amital, Zichon Alevracha. Our normal misgeret is to talk about one of the gedolim of the 20th century and discuss the volumes of tshuvas that he wrote and explain some of the tshuvas, some of the original ideas that he passed in to show the questions that came up in our generation. Today, we will do something much out of the ordinary. Rav Amital did not write a sefer of, shu- of Shelot to Tshuvot, but we will discuss some of his Tshuvot. The time is not now to give the, a hesped for him. The famous biographical notes are known by everyone. Rav Yehuda Klein was born in Gauswoden in 1924, Gimel Tammuz. He often recounted some of the stories of his youth and especially the years of the Shoah when he felt a number of times that he was about to die on Kiddush Hashem. Of course, we know that he came to Eretz Yisrael and fought at the time of the fight for Israeli independence. He, his biography is, has been printed. Many people especially those connected to yeshiva, have read the biography and know the story, know how he learned in Hebron Yeshiva, how he was the son-in-law of Rav Tzvi Yudah Meltzer. He married Miriam Amital, the granddaughter of Rabbi Zalman Meltzer, and for many years was active in Yeshiva Tadarom, together with his family. In 19... After the war of 1967, when the people approached him, he founded Yeshiva Taratzion, and the rest, of course, is well known. The Sfarim that he has left in the world of Machshava are very important Sfarim, mainly dealing with current events, with issues that faced us at the particular time that the Sfarim were written. His one Sefer, so far, in the world of Lamdis, Rasise Tal, was printed recently, a few years ago, his son and he collaborated to take many of his some of his chidushim and print them in a sefer with Sisital. And Rav Yoel Amital, Shibadil Chaim Tovim, said at the funeral on Thursday that another sefer is about to be printed of Sisital. But yet, we deal with Sheilotu Tshuvot, and no sefer of Sheilotu Tshuvot has been, has appeared. Maybe someday there will be. In the original publications of Alon Shvot. Rav Amital very often wrote Shelotu Tshuvot to the Chayalim of the Yeshiva. Rav Amital's knowledge and interest in Achronim, in Svarim of Shelotu Tshuvot was extremely well known. And when you read the Tshuvot, you certainly get a feeling of quoting Sfarim that other people perhaps do not use, some of them I've never heard of. The first question I'd like to discuss is a question that appeared 
in the third year of Alon Shvut, the journal of the yeshiva, Gileyon Bet. Rav Mital was asked if you're allowed to bring a Sefer Torah to Chayalim Bashetach. Obviously, there was a group of Chayalim who wanted to hear Kriyasa Torah. Now, there was a Sefer Torah available that had a portable Aron. But there is a custom not to move a Sefer Torah. And he was asked, under the conditions you're allowed to. One of the interesting points that somehow became very well known is that you don't move a Sefer Torah from place to place unless you read there three times. I once asked Rav Aaron Salavechik about that, and he told me that there is no early source for the custom of three times. The issue of moving a Sefer Torah is discussed in Halacha, but the particular prerequisite of three times is not mentioned in Isfarim. I think Rebaran said the first time he ever saw it mentioned was in a 20th century Sefer and the Arach HaShulchan who did raise the issue. The Rav Amital begins by quoting a, mecha, a machlokas between the Mechaber or a discussion between the Mechaber and the Ramah in Arachayim Sim Kuflamid Hei Sif Yudalid. And the Mechaber says that you don't bring a Sefer Torah to a prison. The Ramah explains under what conditions it might be permitted. Rav Amital first quoted the Bir Halach of Mishnabura, who says that if there is a minion who would like to hear Kriya Torah, then you can bring a minion for them. He brought a Yerushalmi, that Yerushalmi mentioned how on Yom Kippur they transferred the Sefer Torah until it got to the Kohen Gadol who had to read the Parsha on Yom Kippur. And the, the Yerushalmi asked, is it appropriate for us to move the Sefer Torah around? Wouldn't it be more appropriate for the Sefer Torah that we should go to it? And the Gemara discussed the fact that they were Gedolim, they were the, for the uh, leaders of the nation, perhaps we could find the Heter. So Rav Mital said that might only be when we're talking about Kriyasa Torah of one person. Here we're talking about a Tzibor, we're talking about Kriyasa Torah of a group of people that are found in an army. So, and then he quoted a Sefer, well, typical, I, I never heard of the Sefer, the Magine Afikim, Rav Mital mentioned who he was, that didn't mean anything to me either, but the Magine Afikim ex- went on to explain why it's a, why the Heter would apply if there's a group of people who have not heard Kriya Torah. And then the Sefer, Magini Afikim, really did uh, waver and discuss the point. At the end, he paskened Lukula. Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank, quoted by Rav Mital, also mentioned that, let's remember, the Yerushalmi is talking about, the, um, about moving a Sefer to Yom Kippur when there's no Chiyuv in the Tzibur. The only Chiyuv is on the Kohen Gadol. And another reason to be mekil is there is a portable Aaron Kodesh. Perhaps the halacha of moving a Sefer Torah is when the Sefer Torah is, is not within a, an Aaron, when it's not, uh, you know, so proper just to move the Sefer Torah, but what's, when it's in an Aaron Kodesh, maybe it's permitted. He added another argument that perhaps a Sefer Torah which is in a shul, it's as if it, the shul, that's the place of the Sefer Torah. But if there's no particular place to the Sefer Torah, it's an Aaron that's portable. The whole idea of the of this particular Sefer Torah is to transport it from place to place. Then he thought that might, the Easter in general might not apply. The last point that Rav Mital made, and here you really feel the, the approach of Rav Mital, is that the Ramah already said 
Adam Chashav Shani. In other words, for very respectable people, for very important people, the whole situation is different. It might not be considered Kavod for Sefer Torah just to bring it Stam. But to bring it for a very important group of people, it would be permitted. Rabbi Mital said, a tzibur is Adam Chashuv. One, when you say it's, it's mutter for one Adam Chashuv, the tzibur as a group certainly is equal to an Adam Chashuv. And he brought sources to elaborate upon that point. The bottom line of the halacha is that Rabbi Mital said you can rely on the Bir Halacha. The Debir Halacha says when there are ten people who have not heard Kriya Torah, you can bring a Sefer Torah. All the other arguments that we added, he said there are, there are you know, additional reasons to find the Kula. He did mention one point that it would be proper to bring it not just at the time of Kriya Torah, it would be proper to bring it before the before the davening starts and put it in a place where you have an Aaron and then he felt there was no question whatsoever. Ironically enough, a few, a few months ago, Rav Amital was living for temporarily in Alon Shvut in the house of one of his sons-in-law and they had a minion in the house where they had a portable Sefer Torah in an Aaron and we had a minion there on Shabbos. In fact, on Parshas Mr, I read the Torah there in in the in the house. So obviously, Rav Mital felt that you could move a Sefer Torah with an Aaron before Tefillah for the for a Tzibur Tirkriyasa Torah. Another question where Rav Mital's approach is rather revolutionary is a question that has been discussed much in the. 20th century. It has especially been discussed in Chuvos that we have mentioned a number of times this year. And the question is a, a person who's Mechal al-Shabbos, can he be counted to a minion? In general, the assumption of people is that he certainly cannot be counted to a minion, but we would have to discuss under today's circumstances in today's world what's what would be the halacha. The first point that Rav Mital mentioned, this is found in the Alon Shvut Shana Dalid, Gilayon Gimel, is that a Mechal Shabbos Pefarhesia is considered uh, uh, out of the pale of Judaism and therefore the issue that we would have to discuss about counting a person to a minion would relate to a person who's Mechal Shabbos Befarhesia. Befarhesia generally would mean if he did it in public. A person who would be Mechal Shabbos Betzina privately, he's still kosher Leidus. And therefore, he's still kosher, and therefore you would assume he's kosher for Tefillah Betzibur. Why is there a distinction between Parhesia and Sibur? Perhaps Parhesia and Yachid. Perhaps the distinction would be the nature of the person, how how much would you assume that he's considered a lahachis? A person who is l'tayavon, a person who does something just because it's more convenient, is obviously not as severe, as severe a situation as a person who would do something lahachis. Lahachis just out of spite. He's, he wants to demonstrate the fact that he's not religious. Rav Mital raised an amazing issue. 
What would happen if a person is Mechalal Shabbos Befarhesia, but nevertheless, there is one person, one great, great Gadol whom he would respect, that in front of him, he would not be Mechalal Shabbos. And could that be considered that this person is Mechalal Shabbos Betzina? Because in a real Parhesia, when he's doing, when he's standing in front of somebody whom he truly respects, he would not be Mechal Shabbos. Would that be considered Tzinar Parhesia? He brought people who are Mekil in this question. He did quote a Marashdam, who was Machmir. He said, this is too much of a Chiddush. But he brought many Paskim, including the Tzemach Tzedek, who said, that you could rely on such opinion that this is not a Mechal Shabbos b'faresia. He also quoted some of the more famous poskim who talked about our generation. For example, the Chazonish in Hilchoshchita who said that in our generation everyone is considered a Tinok Shanishba because we don't know how to educate properly. The mitzvah of tochecha, the mitzvah of admonishing people, of helping to bring people closer to Yiddishkeit, is not effective today because we don't know how to do it well. That's what the Chadzon Ish said. And therefore, everybody that he would be considered a Mechal Shab, a Tinok Shanishba. And of course, we've already discussed Shuvas of Rabbi David Tzvi Hafman, Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger, who said that in our generation, People are not considered Mechalei Shabbos, rather they're considered Tindak Shanishba. However, another point that was shockingly to me, raised by Rav Mital, was, in general, is it so clear that a Mechalei Shabbos cannot be counted for a minion? It's true the Primagodim said so clearly. The Primagodim said anyone who's Mechalei Shabbos is not counted for a minion. And I remember mentioning this once to a gadol who said to me, "Kesha Rashaim Eno Minaminyan." It's for sure that a person who is a mechal Shabbos is a Russian does not count it. Nevertheless, Rav Mital quoted the Gemara in Sanhedrin that Achan Afa Pishachata Yisraelu. He also quoted, and here it's interesting to see a source that could be used in halacha in writing a, a tshuva. The Rambam in his famous letter. In Ma'amar Kiddush Hashem, the Rambam wrote, writes about our brothers who basically for all purposes were Mechel Shabbos. Nevertheless, they come to shul. Can we not count them? Can we chase them out of the shul? This argument of the Rambam has become a source of controversy. How seriously can a be taken in the world of halacha. How seriously can a letter that was written because of personal feelings toward the people be counted in the world of halacha? Nevertheless, Rav Amital used this as one of his sources to question in general whether a mechal Shabbos could be counted for a minion. Of course, the bottom line is we have the Chazonish, we have Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger, we have Rabbi David Tzviafen, we have many poskim, and of course Rav Kook, that, to, that discussed that today, Mechel Shabbos are not the 
the people who would not be counted for a minion because they would all be considered Tinoka Shanishba. So Rav Amital relied on that psak to allow soldiers in the army, and I want to emphasize these questions are army questions that were written before the Svarim of the army of all the different Svarim have been printed. Rav Mital was Mekil on this particular question. A question that seems to have been addressed to him by his own son, Rav Yoel, appeared in Shanadalit Gilion Vavavalonshfut. The question was asked about a heating oven, Tanur, which was lit by soldiers in the base where the Chilonim and Datiyim lived in the same room. On a cold Shabbat, the Chayalim lit the Tanur. Would you be allowed to stay in the room to enjoy the heat of the oven? The questioner discussed, is this really considered Masa Shabbos? Because we talked about the air, the atmosphere, is that really considered as a thing? Like baking a cake, you have a cake. Here, you don't have any real change. Is that considered as a something that from which you cannot get Hanah? Rav uh, Amital rejected this argument, and he said that, first of all, I do think it's considered Masa Shabbos. Secondly, even if it's not Masa Shabbos, something that was done bemazed would be forbidden to get benefit from even if there's no real shinui. And of course, he quotes the appropriate sources. But yet Rav Mital finds a place to be made on this particular question. Because he said the entire discussion and the, of course the main halachic discussion is if a Jew did it, if a non-Jew did it, if it's Beshogeg, if it's Bemezid, if it's for the purpose of the Jew, for the purpose of the guy. All that was discussed in a situation where it's done not in the house of the Jew. But if it was done in the house of the Jew, then you don't have to leave the house. This is quoted in the Shulchan Aruch. The Mishnah adds that a hotel where a person rents a room is also considered your house. And the source is found in Yerushalmi in Shabbos in Perek Kol Kisve. There it says, you do not cause a person the trouble of moving out of his house. Now, this was referring to the case where a non-Jew did it. Would there be a distinction if a Jew did it? The Aruch HaShulchan says clearly that there's no distinction. And apparently the reason is because it's considered Hanoah a, a person does get benefit, but it comes against his will. It's not that he wanted it to be turned on. In fact, because of halachic reasons, they would prefer not having been turned on. But nevertheless, they get benefit from the warmth, but that's considered So, the psak would be not just that there's no Easter in the, in the, in the, in the heat. But it would be mutter lechatchila to stay in the, in that room. We ain matrichim adam matzat mi beitel. Of course, one or two cautionary words were added. 
it would not be right to move closer to the fire. It wouldn't be proper to go into the room, into a warmer room, etc. But in your normal habitat, which is your room where you live, Rabbi Mital felt you did not have to leave the room. If I'm not mistaken, there is a tshuva of Rav Moshe written to Rav Hutner about a very similar question. When a non-Jew lights the uh, heat in the entire building, if there's an apartment building, if you would be required to leave your house, not to get benefit from Meleches Shabbos. Rav Mital paskind that ein matrichim al adam latzat mebito, since the Mishnabura Paskin, that that applies even to a hotel, it certainly applies to an army barracks with, for all practical purposes, this is your house at the present time. In, a few years later, in Shanahei, Gilion Chafalif, Rav Mital was asked if you can read the Megillah, the night of Purim, from Plaga Mincha. The question was raised that the person assumed that it would be mutter. In fact, he remembered that he had heard it was mutter, but nevertheless, recently he had found that the Chayayadam said that anyone who reads uh, Megillah before Tseisekachavim does not fulfill his obligation. And the Chayayadam quoted sources as the Prichadash and the Vilna Gaon. And therefore, the questioner was very perturbed. Obviously, for certain military reasons, it was important to read this to read the Megillah before nighttime. And could you be it when we saw that the Chayyadam forbade it? Rav Mital pointed out that it's a machlokas between the Mechaber and the Prichadash. The Mechaber says, "Look." we pass that you can say Kriyashma from Plaga Mincha. So, if you can say Kriyashma from Plaga Mincha, then you can also read the Megillah from Plaga Mincha. The Prichadash would disagree and say, no, Kriyashma is a din of once it's getting later in the day, B'Shach B'Chav Kumecha. It does not say Laila. But by Kriyasa Megillah, it would say, it says Laila. The Gemara in, in Megillah Daftalid, when the Gemara quotes the Pasuk that you should read the Megillah twice, it says, um, The Pasuk, Yomam Ekra Velotane, Velaila Lodumiali. So there, it does say Yomam Velaila. So since it says Yomam Velaila, maybe, the Pichadashtoat, Laila, cannot be started from Plaga Mincha. Yes, you could say Kriyashma, but you could not read the Megillah. It would be interesting to note that Kriyashma, which is the Mitzvah Aseidah Raisa, could be done from, from Plaga Mincha. Megillah, which is only a Dindar cannot be done, according to the Pichadash, until Tzayseh But of course, the reasoning we said is not whether it's the Raisa or Rabbanan, but whether it would be considered Laila, or be considered still young. So, there is another reason to be mekel. Now, let's remember that the Bnei Akfarim did read on the 13th. They actually could read the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th. So, if we already found a heter to read on the 13th, 
it doesn't seem that we should be machmir and say, well, on the 13th itself, you can't read until at least we should ask him that you can read from Plaga Mincha. While this was clear to Rav Amital, he said, well, what about the brachos? Perhaps you would say, you know, okay, we'll read the Megillah, uh, sort of in a Shasat Chak, but that doesn't mean you can read the bra- say the brachos. He quoted, and he mentioned to the question, to the person who asked the question, he mentioned him that Rav Gorin had printed a booklet about halachas for the army. And it should be distributed to all the members, to all the soldiers. Today we have so many different svarim of help, halachic help for the soldiers in the army. Then I assume hardly anything was printed. But Rav Goren, who was at that time the chief rabbi of the army, did send out a halachic bulletin. And there it said clearly that you can read the Megillah from Plaga Mincha. And he did not distinguish between the saying brachas and not saying brachas. Saramital so very politely said, people should look that safer up, it should be distributed, and after all, Rav Garin is the Mara Da'atra. Rav Garin is the local Rav, and therefore his psak should be that you can read the Megillah earlier. He mentioned that this heter that he's saying has a few more conditions. One, let's remember that he calls this a Shas Hadchak. And here again, listen to this statement of Rav Mital. What's considered Shas Hadchak? Chayalim ha'osukim be'alayla, be'tafkidim b'tchoniyim, soldiers who are involved in security issues at night, certainly is considered Shas Hadchak, and therefore the, the psak related to these chayalim. Another point that he mentioned is in order to avoid the problem of the contradiction of day and night, in this particular case, the soldiers should make sure that they daven mincha before plaga mincha. Based on the idea of ratzah kamaravid, ratzah kamaravid, even for one particular day, we could say that as long as you daven mincha before plaga mincha, you consider nighttime from plaga mincha, and therefore he said you're allowed to Read the Megillah from Plaga Mincha. Now, there are many other tshuvas that have been printed, dozens of tshuvas have been printed in, in Alon Shvut. But since we're dealing with uh, tshuvas, psakim, not of, uh, printed in a sefer, I would like to add a personal note. A few years ago, when I was the Rav for a number of years of Camp Mosheva, I noticed that the situation in camp was a little complicated because there are generally two months and two different people come to be the rabbi of the camp. One comes one month and one comes another month. And very often, as is the way of Torah and Halacha, one rav would say one thing, another rav would say another thing, and it would create a tremendous mix-up in a policy. So we decided that we're going to go to Rav Amital and we're going to ask him all the questions that come up constantly in Mosheva, ask him for a psak, and we agreed that we're going to paskin whatever he says. Some of those questions were very important under camp conditions, and we had to explain the situation, what summer camp in America means, a Bnei Akiva type of summer camp, and the, the type of people that come to the camp, etc., etc., 
Rav Mital was so understanding and very, very sympathetic to the cause of Mosheva that he re- agreed to meet with us more than once and give general guidelines for Mosheva. Of course, the issues of the three weeks were are a major issue because it can't be always during the three weeks. I'd like to mention one particular question because it just was astounding to me. In Mosheva, of course, as in probably every other summer camp, there's a local Eruf. Now, it would be very difficult to assume that any posek in the world could say that Mosheva is Rishus Arabim. The camp itself is a only a Carmelis, in which carrying would be Asim and we put up an Eruf, originally in Mosheva, and there's an Eruf. Unfortunately, because of the situation of the uh, the climate and the weather there, sometimes it happens occasionally the Eruv uh, becomes puzzle. So it's checked every Friday, and we announce to the camp, every Friday they, the camp, the Eruv is set for Shabbos. However, occasionally it could happen, in all the years I was there, it actually did not happen, at least that I was aware of, but it could happen on Shabbos that the Eruv would be torn in a certain place. The question was asked to Rav Amital, could we allow the non-Jew who lives nearby to fix the Eruv on Shabbos? It would be Amir al-Nachri, telling a non-Jew to do malacha for a Jew. But there would be a Tzarech Rabbim here. There is, when Moshe on Shabbos, I guess there are about a thousand people. So, and many of them might carry on Shabbos if they weren't uh, very careful. Many of them don't know all the details of Vilcha Shabbos anyway. And you'd have to go around uh, somehow making announcements and teaching and everything. So we asked them if you could tell the non-Jew to fix the Eruv on Shabbos. Rav Mital said that is certainly mutter. Letzorech tzibur, letzorech this particular tzibur. Rav Mital was matir. Now, I, I would like to emphasize that this psaq was given for Mosheva. I don't want to imply that he would say this in general for every other community. But then Rav Amital went on to say something extraordinary. He said, not only can you ask the non-Jew to fix the Eruv, but if the Eruv falls on Shabbos, then you can continue carrying even if there's no Eruv. The first time I met him, I asked him, uh, that I was shocked by such a statement. I asked him, on the basis of what? And his answer was, on the basis of my broad shoulders. I passed in this way, and I saw a tshuva that I don't remember at this moment, but you can ask Rav Lichtenstein, and it, it, there is such a source, and you can rely on that source under these particular conditions. I then went to Rav Lichtenstein and asked him for such a source. He told me he doesn't believe that Rav Mittal ever told him a source like that, he doesn't remember the whole thing, and he would doubt very much that anybody in the world was Mekel. I went back to Rav Amital, but this time, Rav Amital was sitting comfortably in his house. And I mentioned the, the same question, Rav Amital very calmly said, of course. And he went to his beautiful library, picked up automatically a sefer, Rav Shlomo Kluger, Ha'elef L'chashlamo, and he showed me a tshuva where Rav Shlomo Kluger really passed that it's like an Eruv Tavshilin, it's an amazing psak. but he said it's like an Eruv Tavshilin, since you can continue cooking on Shabbos even if the Eruv Tavshilin is eaten, you can continue carrying on Shabbos even though the Eruv of the Machaneh was broken. And Rav Mital told me that you could rely on this in the camp for the Chanichim of Mosheva. The 
Koach of Rav Mital in Psak, based on his knowledge of Achronim, was rather remarkable.